0: Welcome to the What's What weekly wrap-up.
1: Today's show focuses exclusively on this week's features from the WFUV newsroom.
0: I'm David Escobar.
1: And I'm Christina Lulich.
0: And here are this week's feature stories.
1: The 2024 presidential election is approaching and there's a growing sentiment that individuals involved in insurrection should be disqualified from appearing on the ballot.
0: To learn more about this position, WFUV's Jay Doherty spoke with Randy Mastro. He's the chair of Citizens Union, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting good governance. Mastro's leading an effort to reimagine New York's election system.
2: Can you explain Citizens Union's recent advocacy to remove from the ballot candidates who participated in insurrection? How does this help advance democracy?
3: Well, of course, this has become an important national issue where state after state is now deciding, who was qualified or disqualified uh, from the ballot under the 14th Amendment. Colorado and Maine, through the different mechanisms of their state's laws, uh, have reached that determination and the issue has reached the Supreme Court. New York, it turns out, didn't really have an effective mechanism for dealing with this issue. Um, So what Citizens Union has proposed is that in, in that event, the Attorney General should be permitted in the event of such a deadlock um, to review and make the determination on qualification or disqualification. Yeah, the, the question of whether someone who has engaged in insurrection to circumvent our democracy um, is a question that's important at every level of government, local, state and federal.
2: Do you hope that other states will follow and place this power with the attorney general Or does Citizens Union propose a broader mechanism that's universal to all the states to determine who can be on the ballot?
3: It is up to each state to make determinations as to whether someone qualifies or is disqualified under their state ballot. But the 14th Amendment gives states the right to have disqualification under circumstances where someone is found to have engaged in insurrection, who was a public officer and violated their oath by engaging in insurrection.
2: What would you say to someone who says that disqualifying candidates, even if they're corrupt or they violated their oath, actually makes elections
3: less free? I think we have to go back to the origins of the 14th Amendment. The origins, of course, are in the aftermath of the Civil War. And whether those who led that insurrection um, and the South's attempted succession, whether those individuals would still be eligible to run for office in the south where they remained very popular even though they had undermined their their oaths they had fomented insurrection they had tried to break up the union and undermine our democracy Um, so someone who has held public office who's taken that oath, and then laments insurrection to undermine uh, a, a democratic free fair and open election States should have the right to decide to disqualify that candidate from appearing on the ballot because that individual may be inclined to do the same thing again. And that is antithetical to our democracy.
2: A lot of these issues can be very intimidating. What would you say to everyday people who want to support the mission of democracy in their communities?
3: The most important thing that we can do as New Yorkers and as Americans is to vote is to participate in the process, to advocate in the process, to petition our government to do better, to demand that our government do better. First and foremost, get out and vote. Get out and support candidates who reflect your values. And in the case of Citizens Union, the candidates who reflect those values are those who stand up for good government, who stand up for accountability and transparency in government, and who stand up for the rule of law and free and fair and open elections.
1: That was WFUV's Jay Doherty talking about Citizens Union's effort to exclude insurrectionist candidates from the New York City ballot.
0: The Alliance for Positive Change is dedicated to helping those suffering with HIV, AIDS, and other chronic conditions. But at the Lower East Side Harm Reduction Center, they work to help those currently using drugs.
1: WFUV's Isabel Danza sits down with the organization's harm reduction manager, Joelle Tehran, about the organization's work.
4: Could you kind of briefly describe what the Harm Reduction Alliance does?
5: Yeah, so at the uh, Lower East Side Harm Reduction Center, we really focus on providing harm reduction tools and education resources to the community. Um, Alliance for Positive Change has six different sites and, you know, our main demographic or the participants that we serve are people living with or affected by HIV and other chronic illnesses. Um, but at the Lower East Side, we primarily focus on people who are currently using
4: Okay. And then why is um, taking harm reduction tactics a productive way to kind of uh, uh, help people who are affected or are currently experiencing addiction?
5: I mean, I think, like, honestly, the the biggest thing with harm reduction is, like, we're just trying to make sure people stay alive. Like, that's like our main goal. And, you know, we're letting individuals identify the resources or the help that they need.
4: Why is um, the Alliance for Positive Change important and why is that
5: goal important? We kicked off right in like the HIV crisis and it was like meant to really just like focus on the resources needed at that time. And then, you know, a crisis that is still you know, affecting us and, you know, like tearing apart is our community is like specifically this like opioid crisis with harm reduction. We're putting the right tools and the right resources in people's hands. So that's naloxone training, um, proper testing strips, education.
4: How does your work kind of affect the surrounding community? So maybe people that aren't using your services, but just, you know, are in the New
5: York community. So, you know, like we believe like educating people on harm reduction comes very early Um, Often we'll get reached out by high schools, um, colleges, you know, people that want to either volunteer. So with a lot of the street um, outreach that we do and the engagement with participants, we're also engaging with, you know, people that are like just sitting in a park enjoying their lunch, people that are just like your average New Yorkers on a subway train. We want to put Naloxone and Narcan kits in in as many hands as possible, because you never know when you're going to need to save a life.
4: Could you maybe um explain or use an example of a story um from your time um with the organization that you feel like really exemplifies the type of work that you guys do?
5: You know, when it comes to harm reduction, people, you know, will stigmatize people who use drugs and like, you know, just use examples or opinions of like, you know, they don't want to get help or they don't, they're not trying to stop. And, you know, I've had firsthand, you know, like in addition to managing one of the programs at the Lower East Side, I have my own caseload. So I've been able to see people that I've engaged with right off the street that are, you know, homeless and don't have much hope left. And then when we think about the services that we connect them to, and then, you know, we show them that there is a place where they can come. We have drop-in services. So it's like places that they can come, hang out get some food, get some water, and kind of just like reignite that human experience in them again.
4: What would you say to people who maybe don't understand why harm reduction is a good way to go about um, helping people who are suffering with addiction?
5: I think a lot of it comes down to just trying to understand the point of view of the individual in need. You know, when we look at people who are seeking treatment for cancer, people who are seeking treatment for other chronic conditions um you know everyone's always very empathetic but when you look at people who are seeking treatment for substance use it's probably the most like the community that's affected the most where like they don't receive a lot of empathy they don't really uh, receive a lot of encouragement it's organizations like ours that try to like close that gap to show people that you know we
0: believe in you that was WFUV's Isabel Danzas speaking with Joelle Tehran about the importance of harm reduction tactics in battling addiction.
1: It's part of our ongoing Strike Accord public service campaign, highlighting New York City based organizations responding to the opioid epidemic.
0: And that's it from us.
1: But you can check out the What's What weekly wrap-up every week for more features exclusively from the WFUV Newsroom.
0: And make sure to check out the WFUV What's What daily podcast every weekday at 3 for the latest local news and feature stories from FUV.
1: And as always, you can find out more at WFUVnews.org.
0: I'm David Escobar.
1: And I'm Christina Lulich. And that's What's What.